0: Lord, we, we love you. God, obviously not anywhere near the, the love that you have for us. We've got to look around this room. I don't, I don't know everybody's story by any means, but I look around and I know a, a bunch of different people and I, I can see over the years I've seen, I've got to hear their heart for you, for, for the gospel to go forward for people. For, people that have not responded yet to you, Jesus, to hear about how great you are, how great your love is that you died for them. So that they would they would come to place their faith in you. Jesus, I know we've got a bunch of people that just love, love their church, Lord. And I'm so thankful for that. And as we get into this chapter in Acts, as we as we look at what Paul said to these elders, Holy Spirit, would you just would you teach us? Would you have your way in us? Would you shape us by your word? Lord, we need you to shape our minds. We need you to shape our hearts. We, like Scott said early in the service, we don't want to leave this place the same as, as we came in. And we, we can't do that, Lord. We, we can't just try hard enough. God, we need you. So Lord, that's what we're asking for today. We love you, Jesus. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 20. And it's been a few weeks since we've been in Acts. Um, Ron was the last one to preach, and I, th- I think the snowstorm happened after that. I don't even really, time has been weird for me the last few weeks. But um, uh, just a reminder, we came off Paul. He, it was it was really a, a lot of traveling, and we find out in verse 16 that he's trying to get to Jerusalem. Like his hope is that he can get to Jerusalem uh, for the day of Pentecost, right? And he, he loves all these churches that he's planted, but he wants to get back to Jerusalem to be there. And, and I'm guessing that, that part of that at least, and this is a guess, is that he, man, he, he wants to see that, that sending church in Jerusalem. He wants to see those brothers and sisters in Christ. So he, he's trying to not be delayed. We get to verse 20. And it says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus. So apparently they, they stopped here at this port. We don't know why, um, but he sends to Ephesus and it says, and he called the elders of the church to come uh, to him, right? So he sends off. They're not that far away. They can come over. Um, and remember that, that Paul had spent three years teaching daily in Ephesus. Like he, he was saturated in this community. His roots were deep in, in Ephesus with the Ephesians, and especially with the believers. Right? He's got a deep, deep care for them. And we'll read this in, in a little bit, but he knows that this is it, that this is going to be his last time getting to see them at all. Um, and, and I'm sure you've had moments like that with, with dear, dear friends that, that maybe you didn't know for sure it was the last time you were going to see them, but but you had a strong suspicion that at least you weren't going to see them much, right? Maybe they're moving across the country, or, or maybe you were in the military, and, and you were getting a new assignment, they were getting a new assignment, but but you knew that, that this was it, and, and and there's a deep, sweet uh, friendship, a uh, love for one another, and you have that last moment together, and we get to see, we get to read about this last moment that he has with these Ephesian uh, elders uh, from, from the church in Ephesus. And this is the only speech in Acts that is just to a Christian audience. All the other speeches in Acts, there are non-believers there. It's a mix of unbelievers and believers there. But this one is, is just for Christians and in verses 18 through 27, we get this, this window or the, the curtain, I guess, is kind of pulled back in Paul's approach to ministry. Um, and, and this is for all of us. I know he's speaking to elders here, but this isn't just for, this isn't just for a pastor. This isn't just for elders, deacons, uh, uh, Bible study leaders. This is for all believers in one way or another. So let's engage our hearts and our minds in this text. Um, And as I said, we'll see in a moment, these are his final words. So verse 18, our final words to them. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself if I, or if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Man, Paul had his priorities straight. He had his priorities set in concrete. Look at verse 24. He says, I did not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Man, his life wasn't what he valued the most. And it just struck me how different that is than our culture, than our society, probably even than than us as believers. Like we'll do, maybe not anything, but almost anything to squeeze out as much time on this planet as possible. But what mattered to him wasn't his own life, right? And I'm not saying he was reckless, but what mattered to him was finishing the course, right? We think of like a a race that that you're running. And you don't don't just want to do really well like the the first three quarters of the race. No, he wants to finish the, the ministry that the Lord set before him. Paul knew it wasn't a hundred meter dash. He was running a, a marathon or maybe really an ultra marathon. And as, as fast as Paul did start out of the gate in ministry, he, he understood this was not a sprint. It, this, was, this was a long, long race. So the ministry success that Paul uh, had that he enjoyed, he wasn't just looking back in satisfaction. I, I'm sure he was content with what God had done but he wanted by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue on to finish what God had given him. There was more to do, and he was pressing on so that he could finish the work that the Lord gave him. His priority was gospel ministry. And we're all to be ministers. Every, every believer, I don't know what we call it kingdom of, uh, of priests, a nation of, of priests is what scripture calls us. So I ask you, what's your ministry right now? Like today, right, right where the Lord has you, what is your ministry? And, and it'll change, right, throughout the years. Maybe you'll have a similar focus most of your life. Maybe not. The, the Lord will, will lead you to different ministries. But today, what is your ministry? And if you hear me say that and you're like, man, I have no idea. I have no idea what you mean. Let me, let me throw out some options here. Uh, if you're married, um, if you have kids, and that's, that's your first ministry, is to your spouse, to your family. I know I look around the room and we've got a lot of grandparents in here and I know for some of you, you have your own kids, they're not following Jesus and maybe their spouse isn't following Jesus and you've got all these grandkids and you're praying for those grandkids. You're working hard to be light to them. You're praying hard that God would open up their hearts to respond to him as Lord. For others, you go to work and it's paying the bills, but really... That's your mission field. That's where you are trying to minister. Or others, it's your neighborhood. You've been really intentional to get to know at least at least some of your neighbors, at least the ones maybe in closest proximity to you. I know we've had people in our church that, that they couldn't get their neighbors to come to church, so they, they started like a little Bible study just in their neighborhood, hoping to, to minister to their neighbors. We have, uh, we have multiple people that work in education here. And I know that, that the kids you work with uh, your, your classrooms man that that's, that's where you're ministering you've got I don't know 28 30 little lives that, that you, you're trying you're trying to love these kids and, and their parents well and, and your coworkers oh, or maybe um, maybe you have a, a formal title right you're the you're the head of something. You teach a Bible study. You're on the women's ministry team. You, uh, you serve with, with Young Life or with track or you're, you're on youth staff. Or maybe, um, maybe you consider yourself older. So I'm not calling you older, but you consider yourself older. And, and you, when you come here, you're looking. You're looking for younger people in our body to encourage. And, and they might not even know they, they might not even understand that, that, that you're trying to minister to them, but you're being very intentional. You're praying for them throughout the week. Maybe, maybe you send them messages or cards, but, but you're, every time you're here, you're looking for them because you want to be an encouragement to them. We, we can go on and on, but, but what is the ministry that God has for you right now? Because every believer, we're, we're called to participate in God's kingdom work. and I, I just wonder, what is he asking you to lean into right now? And then once you have that identified, then the next question is, how committed are you to that ministry? Like do you have one foot in, one foot out? Or are you all in with the ministry that God has given you? Whatever your ministry is, uh, like I said, Paul pulls back the curtain here. He lets us see um, his his talk with these elders, his encouragement, his exhortation to these elders, his instruction to them, and, and we get insight. We we get all these 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 pairs these descriptors of of uh, of his priorities in ministry. Verse nineteen, it, it, it answers the, the how question. How did he do ministry? Well, it's through humility and tears. Right? Paul's brilliant. We have his letters. We can see we can see he's a brilliant brilliant man. I imagine that most rooms that he walked into, he's probably the smartest one there. He probably knew more about uh, building a church than, than anyone he interacted with. He, he could have come in with his authority and just bulldozed people. But man, Paul, Paul ministered with humility. And this doesn't mean that we don't recognize how God has gifted us. That is key as Christians. We have to know, we need to learn, okay, God, how have you wired me? How have you made me to be a part of your body, to build up the body of Christ. So there, there's a sense that that is vital, right? Because when Christians aren't using their gifts, it, it leaves a gap in the body of Christ, it leaves a gap in the church. But then there's also this reality that, that when you're done with that ministry, someone will come behind you and ministry will continue on. Like yes, God is using you now and also God is not dependent on you. He doesn't, he doesn't need you to do it. He, he will continue. He will continue his work, even without you. There'll be there'll be people that follow you that do some things better than you, some things worse. Which will probably make you feel good, but some things they'll do way better than you. So he led with humility. He also served with tears. He was committed to his people. He was up close and personal with them. When you minister, man, there, there's a, there's there's a level of commitment where where you should be impacted, right? That, that, that How your people are doing, that, that you're serving, that, that you should be impacted by, by them. Now, there are unhealthy ways that, that you can find identity in ministry, right? You can find your self-worth in ministry. I think that's a pitfall um, for, for anyone in ministry. But man, do you care so much that you weep with those who weep? Right? Do you hurt when they struggle, when they make self-destructive decisions? Paul. Paul served, he led, he ministered with humility and, and with tears. Verse 20 tells us the what. What he did was he declared and, and he, he taught. It says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching, teaching you in public and from house to house. Right? He spoke gospel truth. He taught sound doctrine Right? He wanted to teach them anything that was going to be profitable for them. I guarantee that, that Paul was up late at night just seeking, seeking the Lord, scouring Scripture, going, God, God what, what would you have me teach them tomorrow? Or, or maybe he's planned out weeks. I don't know. What would you have me teach them next week, Lord? God, I, I just want to fill them. I want to teach them. I want to raise them up in you. I want to equip them. All right? Ministry I- involves Speaking gospel truth. We can't just be good people, right, that are really nice. We've got to speak about Jesus. Verse 20 also tells us where. All right, it says he he did this in public and he did this from house to house. He did this in private homes. He was declaring both to audiences that he knew personally, right, people that, that he knew would probably be receptive to what he had to say, but he was also speaking in public where he could face backlash. Verse 21 answers who, who he did this with. It was with Jews and Greeks. It didn't matter who it was to Paul. He was going to speak with everyone because the gospel is for everyone, right? There's no type of person that doesn't need the gospel. Uh, There will be all types of people who respond to Jesus. But I wonder, do we sometimes put up blockades in our mind about who will respond? What type of person will respond to the gospel all right, maybe, maybe you think, man, that guy has it all together or she has it all together. There, there's no way that she'll understand that she needs Jesus. Or, or maybe it's, it's the opposite. Maybe it's someone that has been so beaten down in life. Right? They've just You know people that have just faced tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And, and, and you think, you assume there's so much bitterness there. There's so much pain there. They'll never be able to respond to God. They'll never see that God is good. Or perhaps perhaps it's someone that you just look at them and they're so smart. Like everything you say, like you understand the words individually, but collectively you don't even know what they're saying. You're like, that person would never respond to the gospel. They'd never believe in the supernatural. Man, Paul, he's gonna, he gonna speak to everybody. He wanted to speak especially to those who had not heard. So he testified to the Jews and to the Greeks. And verse 21 also tells us, the the what, what he testified to. He told them they need to repent. They need to put their faith in Jesus. People need to turn to Christ. So Paul lays out these priorities and these ought to be our priorities as a church as well, that we, we do minister in humility and with tears, that we care for each other. We care for the people we're ministering to. We've got to be sure that, that we're a church that declares the gospel, that we teach everything that Jesus commanded, everything that Jesus instructed in. We need to make sure we, we do that not just in here, right? not just in these walls, but that we minister outside of the safety of this place. This is our home turf, right? It's pretty easy to talk about Jesus confidently, but we need to be willing to not just speak about Jesus here, but, but out there. And I would say not just willing, but even excited. Excited that, that we get to be these, 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 these jars of clay carrying the good news out to people, that we get to tell people about Jesus. And this should be with everyone. This should be with, with anyone. We gotta make sure that we tell them that repentance is necessary, right? That, that in order to be saved, we, we have to turn from our sin and self because we'll never be good enough. Right? We'll never be good enough to make up for our sin. We need to turn to Jesus who died in our place. And Paul, Paul goes on. Right? He, he gives, he, or I should say, he also gives instructions uh, to these elders not to shrink back, not to run from, from multiple things here. One is, is not, to, not to shrink back from declaring everything that God said, not to shrink back from declaring hard truths. not to shrink back from declaring in verse 27 the whole counsel of God. So this is one reason that on Sundays, what we do is we go through book by book for the most part in our sermon series. Every once in a while, we'll do a little sermon series on what is the church, what's discipleship. But but for the most part, we go through book by book. And and that's partially to keep us accountable to actually going through everything that God has said. Otherwise, a preacher is going to be tempted to just pick what they like or pick the book's that they feel most at home men, uh, we went through Isaiah a few years ago now, and uh, man, that was not a book I felt at home in <laughs> that was that was heavy lifting for a long long time I don't even remember how long that series was, but man I, I wouldn't just choose to what, what I would do if I was on my own is I would just I would just pick little parts of Isaiah that I feel really comfortable in. but when we go book through book we 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 ensure that that I'm not just picking things that, that, that I, I want to preach on. Uh, we, we also ensure that I'm, I'm not avoiding things that you don't want to hear or, or things that I don't want to hear, because Scripture tells us hard things, right? Scripture, scripture speaks to places that we, we need to be spoken to, so we don't skip over what is difficult, but we aim to declare the whole counsel of God. Paul also says, don't shrink from this. Don't shrink from suffering right? Pastors can't run from suffering. And when pastors do that, the church suffers, right? Christians, we we can't run from suffering. Verse 22, he says, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, I'm looking at imprisonment. I'm looking at afflictions. Certainly, Paul's not saying he seeks out suffering, but, but he's not running from it. I think he's telling these elders, hey, hey, don't run from hard seasons in your church. Right? Don't shrink back from taking risks, which is uh, some of us are really risk averse. I don't know if that's you, but 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 I can be that way. Man, we can't shrink back from taking gospel risks. We can't run from uncomfortable conversations in the body. Matt, Matt brought that up um, earlier. I, I'm I'm sure there's some of you that like uncomfortable conversations, right? There are a couple weirdos, just kidding. <laughs> they got us gifted that way, um, truly. Uh, the rest of us do not enjoy uncomfortable conversations, right? The, the rest of us, man, we want to just put it off, and, and I include myself in, in this number, right? right? So, so you wait and you hope that, that that uncomfortable situation will work itself out on its own. You're, just, you're praying hard sincerely, but it's so you don't have to have the conversation. Or, or you convince yourself maybe that, that God wants to raise up someone else to have that hard conversation so you don't have to. Uh, man, I, I think it was Ben Franklin that said, a stitch in time saves nine. And, and, and that, that is applicable to so many different things, but I found that to be so true with hard conversations. But when I wait and wait, the problem almost always gets bigger, and maybe maybe it stays subsurface, but but beneath beneath it is it's coming to a roaring boil, and it's going to explode. And so that that kind of uncomfortable conversation becomes this way bigger issue. He tells him, "Don't don't run from suffering. Don't run from the the hard things of of being an elder. You need to lean into those for your church." Verse twenty eight. He continues on. Now he's giving, he's giving instructions to these Ephesian elders and, and really elders everywhere. And maybe you're thinking, I'm never going to be an elder. Well, pray these things for, for elders. He says in verse 28 Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to to those who were with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. So so here are these instructions. He says, pay careful attention. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves, to the flock, which God has made you an overseer, made you an an elder, a pastor, a shepherd, to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. We've got to remember that Christ loves the church. He he loves the church. And if we are his disciples, we need to love the church. He gave himself up for the church. He, He obtained the church with his own blood. Do you love the bride of Christ? Because the temptation, at least in our country, I don't know how it works elsewhere in the world. The temptation is, yeah, I'm not. This place isn't working for me. I'm going to go to another church, right? And I know it can be way more complicated than that. Or maybe, man, I've never found a good church. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna follow Jesus on my own at home or with my buddy or or, or, or whatever. Man, Christ loves the church. We need to not give up on the church. He tells these elders, pay careful attention to yourselves. And that sounds like a very 21st century, um, uh, what's that saying? I I need to love myself in order to love others, right? Which is, uh, that's a sneaky way of just being really self-centered. And that's not what Paul's doing here. He he is giving real wisdom here and instruction. He's saying, pay careful attention to yourself in in order uh, to care for this church that God has made you an overseer, um, I have a, a pastor friend, much older than me. He is an avid, I don't know if I can call him a runner. I, f- I feel like runners are fast. I don't think he's fast. He's a jogger. No offense to him. He's a jogger. And and uh, he told me once, a couple of years ago, why he started jogging. Um, and it, it was all about preaching. And I was like, y- you jog because of preaching? Like, tell me more. Um, and, and he said that he he realized that, that he... he, he he feels called to preach God's word and his hope is to do it for decades or his hope when he started was to do it for decades, which he has been doing. And in his mind, he needed to be physically fit then, right? He needed to take care of his body. And so he does that through eating well, but also through jogging. And I'm sitting there going, man, if I was to start jogging in their seasons where I've tried, um, it'd be to get rid of this, right? <laughs> like it, it, it never even dawned on me that, that man, yeah, I should do that so that I can, I, I can minister longer, so I can be a, a, a pastor longer. Paul says, you gotta care for yourself to these, these elders. You gotta, you gotta pay careful attention to yourself. You gotta know yourself, right? You, you need to know your struggles. You need to know, you need to know where, where you're gonna be tempted to be filled up with pride. Or, or, or you need to know where you're gonna be tempted to be, to be lazy and, and, and just kind of skate by. You gotta, you gotta feed your soul, right? You gotta be in God's word. You, you need to learn to rest in the Lord because God has made us that way that we need rest. That's one of the things that multiple people told me this week. And it was by like the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, Lord, I, I hear you. Um, actually, it's, it's something that Andrew's been saying to me uh, as well is that I need to, to, to learn how to rest better, both physically, but, but also just my soul resting in the Lord. Man, you gotta make sure you gotta make sure that you have people that know you, right? That that know that can tell when you say, Oh yeah, I'm doing good. They look at you and say, Come on, what's really going on? Right? They they can see through that veneer. People that know how to love you well, support you, keep you accountable. So he says, pay pay attention to yourself, elders. And then he says, and pay careful attention to the flock, right? Elders we talk about elders. Scripture talks about elders as as, as shepherds, right? Shepherd like. Now Jesus is the, the the chief shepherd, right? But but elders, uh, pastors, they're they're the under shepherds of of a church. I heard something about uh, shepherds uh, years ago. So so simple, and yet to my little brain, so profound. Uh, this person said shepherds smell like sheep. Right? If you have a shepherd, someone that says they're a shepherd and they don't smell like the sheep, <laughs> they're not a shepherd. So, so an elder pastor that doesn't smell like the sheep, that doesn't know his sheep, man, they're a pastor that's not in the trenches. They're an elder that's not in the trenches with the sheep. And, and obviously each, each person only has so much relational capacity. So in a church, even of our size, like you shouldn't expect that you're gonna be close with every elder, every, every pastor, every staff member. But I do hope that you have one Right. I hope that, that you have one that you feel like, man, they know me, right? They know my story. They, they, know, they know what I've come from. They know my struggles. They know my heart. They know my, they know my passion. And I could contact them and, 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 and talk to them about what I'm struggling with, what I need prayer for, and they would know, they would know how to shepherd me. And obviously that's a two-way street, right? That's not all on, that's not all on, our, on our elders or our pastors to, to pursue you. Yeah, there's some of that for sure. But, but man, that's, that's you too. Like finding an elder, finding someone on staff, finding a pastor to connect with and, and just go, hey, I'm part of this place. You know, I'm part of this body. I'm submitting to the leadership here and, and, and I want you to shepherd me. I want you to help me grow in Christ. So you need to know these things about me or I think you need to know these things about me. And if, if Gary and, and Scott and John were, were, uh, were to stand up here with me today, they'd say, hey, we need to grow, right? We need to grow as shepherds. We want to grow as shepherds. And uh, we, we do want to add, I think Scott said this last week, we want to add more elders. But, but first, I think we need to do some assessing of, man, what, what does scripture tell us uh, elders are, right? And, 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 and how does that play out in, in our context? Matt and I are actually going next week, we're gonna meet with a, a pastor from a church that we know uh, really, really well. Um, actually, the name of the church is The Well, which is, that is funny. Not to you, but to me it was. Um, <laughs> anyway, this pastor of The Well that we know well. Um, uh, there we go, somebody got it. Um, anyway, w- man, they, they do a great, Job there uh, of, of of their elder team really shepherding their church. We've seen that from afar. Matt was actually part of that church. He's seen that up close. We, we have close relationship with them, and we just man, we want to we want to pick their brains a bit. And it, yeah, it's not gonna it's not like just plug and play, and, and exactly what they do. We want to do here, but but we want to glean from them. Verse twenty nine thirty. Uh, this is a huge part of eldering. It's it's guarding the flock. Paul says, hey, I know when I leave that these wolves are gonna come in, right? These wolves are, they're gonna, they're gonna come in from the outside and they're gonna, they're gonna try and rip the flock apart. They're gonna try and lead disciples away. And he says, not only that, but they're gonna, be, they're gonna be wolves from the inside too, right? Wolves dressed in sheep's clothing and they're gonna try and draw disciples away. And one thing an elder has to be able to do is call a wolf a wolf. Right? An, an elder can't passively let someone put forward false doctrine. They can't passively just uh, sit by as someone is justifying their sin and, and even drawing others into sin with them. And you know what that can make a, for an awkward moment in a Bible study or, 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 or some class or a meeting, but for the sake of the church, it, it must be done. Verses 33 through 35, Paul reminds them, man, elders aren't in this for for themselves. Right? Elders elders care for the church. They help carry the burdens of the people that they serve. They pour themselves out. And Paul uses the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right? He's telling them, man, yeah, it, 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 you're going to be blessed by doing this. You're going to be blessed by pouring yourself out. Elder, Eldering is a big role. It's a hard role, but it is so Worth it, so please do be praying for for our elders, for for Gary, for Scott, for John, for myself. Um, We're looking to add another elder, but I'll keep that name to myself for now. Um, Pray for our staff. It's been a it's been a hard couple weeks, Um, and we're we're just trying to step back and assess and evaluate. Um, We uh, we want to know, like I said, what what Scripture says about how the church is is to live and, and function. We want to we want to practically um, um, figure out like okay so what does this mean in our context here in campus at at harvest right? we want to assess what we're doing well we want to assess what, what isn't working what's kind of working you know, we want to we want to figure out where do we need people in our body uh, to to use their gifts that that we haven't really um, made that happen before. And I tell you, like I, I think I said this earlier, I had so many meetings this week with, with people from our body and, and so encouraged. I know I won't walk away uh, from every meeting encouraged in life, but this week, that's what, that's what the Lord had. Um, and, and I had multiple people in our church um, that not only wanted to ask me how I was doing, which was great, but, but they wanted to say, hey, um, this is how the Lord's wired me. This is how the Lord's gifted me. This is some of the experience that I have. And, and I'm not telling you, Greg, that you need to use me, but I'm just offering myself to our church. And, and, and each time I just walked away, just going, Man, Lord, thank you. Uh, I was reminded of the scripture that says, Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Uh, I mean, it's been, I've, I've been shaken. The Lord's not shaken, right? The, the Lord, his arm is not shortened. Let's jump back to verse 32 real quick. Is, um, I, I think... If you don't remember anything from this sermon, right, take away verse 32. He says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. Right? He says, Hey, here's what you need to Remember, you need to stay, you need to stay connected to God. You need to stay connected to his word, right? Every believer. We need, to, we need to stay close to God and his word. I think of John 15, the vine and the branches, right? Make Christ your home. Remain in him. Abide in him. Cling to him. Cling to his word. God has revealed himself to us through scripture. So, Christians, we 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 need the Bible, right? It's not just this, uh, this thing that we can go to every once in a while, whenever we want. No, you need this, I need this, right? I need scripture to shape how I think. We need scripture to, to shape how we think about, uh, about politics, about money, about, uh, about social issues, uh, about, about marriage, about parenting, uh, about leisure, about everything. We need scripture to shape our minds. We need scripture to shape our hearts. My heart's fickle. So is yours, right? Our hearts could go uh, a million different places. No, Paul says you you need God's word, which he tells us it's the word of grace, right? God's word is, it is grace to us, right? It is grace to the one who is is mourning the loss of a loved one. Like we talked about the Kobe's today as, as Peter, man, misses his dad. It is grace to the one who, who can't seem to shake that old sinful habit that they're so embarrassed by that they've been battling for decades. His word is grace to the one who knows nothing, right? They, they're a brand new Christian. They know nothing in the Bible yet. Is, his word is grace to the one who knows every Bible answer, who would, who would win Bible trivia every time. His word is grace to the one who feels like, like they don't have the strength to even make it another day. His word is grace to the one who has everything, everything that they could want. His word is grace to to all who call upon the name of Jesus. Passage ends in verse 38 here, picking up in verse 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down. He prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on a part of all. They embraced Paul. They kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word that he had spoken that, that they would not see his face again. They accompanied him to the ship and they set sail. That they knew that was it. I guarantee they they clung to those words that Paul had for them and and we get to, because Luke Luke wrote them down for us, we get to do the same. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We we love your word, God, uh, Though we confess we don't love it as we should, and yet you are gracious to us, Lord. You, you, you draw us to yourself by your word, by your Spirit. God, we pray that we would be a people that that remain in you, a people that abide in you, and to the word of your grace. God, would you help us to be a people that that love one another so well that have our our priorities straight that we would we would view ourselves as as as, as your children, right, that are are ministers of the good news, that we get to go out and declare to everyone, including each other. And the good news of the gospel, Jesus, that, that you came, that you died for us while we were yet sinners, and, and that you didn't remain dead, but you you rose from the grave, defeating death, and you've you've made reconciliation with you available through the blood of Jesus. God, we love you, Lord. Would we be a people that, that live for you? God, it's in your name we pray, amen.